Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Everything Considered podcast. Uh, you probably recognize this beautiful lady next to me. This is Millie America, and I, she's been on the podcast quite a few times, and I keep wanting us to have like a weekly with Millie oh. uh, <laughs> uh, because that. she's just such a resource. Such She's just so wise and and just embodies love, and I think you're going to enjoy this today because we're going to talk about uh, the spiritual roots of uh, illness and ailments, and um, how can we practice inquiry around that? How can we start to search out what that is there to teach us? What it is? What's there? What is it teaching us? What is it showing us? What kind of questions can we ask ourselves? And um, so we are not doctors. Millie and I both want to make that very clear. So this is not a substitute for medical advice. Uh, if you're ill or suffering from something, you know, always. Uh, seek mm -hmm. professional help. Um, but Millie, welcome to the program. I'm just so happy to have you back. Oh, thank you, my love. I always love sharing space with you. And the things that come up in our conversations are always like my own aha moments, like, oh my God, yes. So yeah. thank you. God only knows what will come up today. Yeah, I don't really plan these with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually with the guest, I'll have some sort of an outline, but I just feel like it kind of takes on a life of its own and we don't really have to have to really have any kind of guidance. It just happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been big on your heart lately. You've been really yes. into this. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about that. Um, I have had a lot of clients in sessions talk to me about their health. And it's one of those, it's either love or health or career. Those are the three big, big things when you go see somebody who's an intuitive. Yeah. But a lot of times what I get shocked is like, I had a client recently that told me that she had cancer. Mm -hmm. And when I questioned her, because I didn't see cancer, like I'm having this, I, actually, I was on the phone. I wasn't even, I wasn't seeing her. She's like, well, it's in remission. And I had to stop her. And I go, so you don't have cancer anymore. Well, it's in remission. And I said, mm -hmm. honey, but if you continue to bring that as your story, as your narrative, mm -hmm. you're attracting that right back to you. I mean, you don't have cancer. You have a clean bill of health. Stay in that frequency. And it so happens that it, it happens a lot where people are now, that's their, that's their story. And, right. you know, I, I mean, I think we all have a story yes. and a lot of times our health becomes that story. Right. Um, as, as you know, I've shared with you, I was born um, a sickly baby. I, I, I was sick. I mean, I had serious issues from the time that I was, uh, that I came in here. I always believed that I had one leg in and one leg out. Uh, from yeah. old regressions of when I was in my mother's womb, I did not want to come in. And I came in kicking and screaming. When I was about nine months old, I had my first operation. I had a hernia. And when mm. they opened me up, they realized that I had all these little cysts on my ovaries. Oh my so they opened up the other side and they cleaned both ovaries. I had that done again, I think by the time I was six or seven, Hmm. And I had my tonsils out by the time I was one years old. I had several surgeries and they told my mother that most likely I would not be able to have children. Oh. Um, and I heard this growing up and all I wanted was to have children. Yeah. I mean, I have eight of them. I mean, right. two biological ones. I was determined to have children. So I knew that I had to get married early and that I had to conceive them early enough because the older I got, the more issues I would have with endometriosis and the ovaries and my sisters from my father's side. I had one that died before I was born from ovarian cancer oh. and two others that died for breast cancer. So there was this cancer that was holding on and my mother kept bringing it up. And I was like, I don't believe in this. I am not resonating with this. Right. When I was about nine years old, I started to have a heart, a heart condition. My father had heart issues. My mother had heart. I mean, all his family had heart mm. issues. So it wasn't a surprise that that was passed on genetically. And I have, there's a name for it. And if you ask me, I don't even own it because when mm -hmm. I've gone to the doctor for serious heart issues, I, it's like, I might as well just stick my, I don't, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't resonate with this. Well, I was told that I couldn't run or I couldn't do any sports mm -hmm. growing up. When I was 14, I decided against my mother's wishes that I was going to be part of the cross-country team in my high school. 
And so we went to get a physical and he was a Cuban family doctor. And he's like, you know, Mildred, I don't believe this is a good idea for you and your condition. I go, but what if I can do it? Yeah. What's so bad about me trying to, I'm not going to overexert myself. And he signed off trusting that I would, you know, and I ran, I ran and it was uncomfortable and I ran some more and it was uncomfortable, but you know what? I loved it. And mm-hmm. I have done everything in my life for any time that there is some kind of, um, I, I call it little challenges and obstacles in my health. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that I bulldoze my way through it is that I believe that I can heal myself. Right. right. Last year in the midst of a very hard um, separation from my ex-husband. Um, I ended up in the emergency room. Mm. Uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. My heart literally was broken. It had felt like somebody had fractured me. And so they sent me to a cardiologist. It was it's massive of like a panic, a massive panic attack. But it was it was a strain on my heart. And I went to the cardiologist and uh, Indian uh, man. And he's like, well, I want to give you medication. They did all this EKGs and an echo, uh, an echocardiogram. Anyways, he went through all this stuff. And I sat in front of him and I said to him, I want you to give me three months. I'm going to come back in three months. And my heart is not going to show any of the stress. Right. right. And he looked at me, he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, don't worry about it. But if I come back in the summer and I don't have that, I'm not taking any medication. Right. He's like, okay, send me off. Forgot about cool. it. Came back. In uh, in the summer, and they ran all the tests again. There was not one single issue in my heart. I mean, my heart's still big. I have a sure really big heart, but I have to hold all that love in there. (laughs) You know, you 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 brought up broken heart, and I know that there is an actual diagnosable condition. Yes, it's got a Japanese name, and I want to say. I want to, I'm probably wrong, but I want to say Kawasaki or something like that. I don't know. That's a motorcycle, but anyway, it could be, maybe, but call, maybe that's why the motorcycle's called. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but I know it's called, it's basically broken heart syndrome that they, mm-hmm. that a, a Japanese physician, um, people have died of broken heart. Have, yeah. I mean, literally it, die of a broken yeah, heart. You and I was, that. and I was actually dying of a broken mm-hmm. heart. I mean, yeah. the pain that I felt was more intense than any other my past relationships it yes. it, it was it blindsided me yeah and so I went back and he scratched his little ball head and he said well whatever it is that you're doing just keep doing it but he first asked me what what did you do and I go I've been literally sending all day long Reiki to my chest area I've been yeah. sending and I've been moving complete energy where I feel the every once in a while, or if I overexert myself and I've been everywhere, I have been sending love to my own heart. Yes. I've been nurturing my heart. Like I nurture my children. Yes. And he just looked at me and said, whatever it is, just continue doing it. And I have not had, it's been a year. I have not had another episode or another and the same goes for everything else that, you know, I've had other issues, female issues, breast issues. And I believe that I have the power, mm-hmm. just like Joe, Dr. Joe Spencer talks about the superhuman. I have the power to overcome all those obstacles and challenges right. or what I call little episodes along the way. Yes. And I know that I can get flack about, well, you're being irresponsible. I'm not asking anybody else to do it. I know how to heal my body. You know, I, I I was telling you, I mean, I, since I was in my twenties, I read Louise Hayes, how mm-hmm. to heal your body or heal your body. Mm-hmm. And years ago, about 15 years ago, I found this book by Ina Siegel. She's Australian and it's called the secret language of the body. Ooh. I stump my toe and I go looking for the right toe. What, what is the toe trying to <laughs> tell that me? about? I mean, any time that I come in contact with somebody who is having, for example, COVID, was a massive um, wake-up call for many people. Right. And it's not surprising that it hit the lungs. Yes. When you have lung issues, that's grief. Grief, yeah. And we were having a massive grieving episode globally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it, it hits your, you know, there's different things. Breast is nurturing. Another, every part of our body, the issues mm-hmm. in the tissue, every single yes. part of our body. Yes. Is trying to tell us something. Yes. 
And it's so up to it, us to look at it. We need to listen. We need to learn to listen to our bodies. I think a lot of people, they skip over the listening part and go to the just heal me, which is great, but you, you miss the message in between. Like, what is the body trying to say? And I remember making this connection years ago. I was uh, an, an herbal um, educator um, at an herb shop for many years. And I would have um, the same people come in for the same things. And it was odd because what would work for one person would not work for the other person. And my friend and I started to put together, my, my colleague, coworker, that the people that were not having success with it had deeper underlying stress and emotional issues. And um, it was like a light bulb went on. Like I understood at that point that it's not all about the material, that the body is just one player in many layers. And there, there are things that can go wrong in the emotional uh, mm -hmm. field, the emotional body that can affect us physically. And I know the CDC statistic is 70% of all illnesses are rooted uh, in or stress-related is what mm -hmm. is the words mm -hmm. they use. And you use the word spiritual and, and I use the word emotional kind of interchangeably because mm -hmm. we have a spiritual body and emotional body. We have different layers. And then we have this physicality and we're not machines that you can just turn a screw on and fix. Um, there's, there's, the illness is a communication to us, would mm -hmm. you say? And not one, and not one single size fits all. Right. In other words, I, I have a, a dear friend. He called me last week and he's overcome cancer several times. And he just got a pet, pet scan and it came out that he's got cancer somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I had a really hard time, April, mm -hmm. absorbing this information only because he's one of the most positive people that I know. Right. And for me to, I mean, normally when I see somebody that the cancer comes back, mm -hmm. I'm not very surprised. Right. They've been looking for it. They've been talking about it. They don't let it go. It becomes their label and their identity. Yes. With him, it's not that. It's not even. So, I mean, his father, I know that it's, a lot of this is to do genetic and genetic plays a huge part in it. Sure. I mean, you know, like I said, I, my father's heart issues and my mother's heart issues, they came down my line. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but what, what I do also change is that I do not subscribe to that information. Right. It's not in my reality. And I say, people say that I say jokingly, that's not in my reality. When someone tells me this is this, and you're going to get this because of this. I'm like, I don't live in that reality. And it's not because I don't own it. I don't label myself as having a heart condition or having right. breast issues. You yeah. know what I mean? Your yeah. perception, your reality shifts the world inside of you and outside of you. Right. That's right. So, totally you know, agree. there are people that overcome. I have a friend that's had like five or six cancers. She lives yeah. here in her seventies and this woman has overcome so much. And when you look at her, she can tell you exactly what each type of those cancers taught her. Yes. You and know, now she said her last one, she goes, and that's it. There's no more. And right. just, <laughs> I learned what I needed to learn. Well, I mean, Stop. it's interesting that you, that you brought up genetics because I was just reading uh, and I highly recommend to everybody that book you just showed us and mm -hmm. also Dr. Gabor Mate's book which just came out and it's called the myth of normal. It's about trauma's connection to illness. And one of the things that he said in that book is genetics don't determine whether you actually manifest the disease or not. It's the environment, mm -hmm. the traumas, the stresses, and how we react to our environment is what can like flip the switch on that gene. So genes are not like we used to think, and I, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that genes determined everything. And we were told that we were educated mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. They are now finding that that's not necessarily true, that you can have the genetic marker, but not have, but the environment is not such that it triggers that to express. But then sometimes that environment does trigger it to express. And no. what's the environment? this vessel exactly. is the environment. Yes. So if you stay in that frequency, and I'm not saying that it's going to work hundred percent, but no, I do no. know that your mindset determines a lot of yes. how you navigate an illness. Yes. 
Completely. Huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, miracles happen because of people shifting yes. their perspective, their mindset, and yes. not owning it. When my mother, my mother died of cancer and she had cancer at 80. She got uh, cancer in her uterus and they removed everything and she did great. But my mother, all her life was a hypochondriac. So you can imagine how much I despise doctors because my mother was an attention-seeking soul who needed constant. So I don't have, I'm not the best empathetic person when it comes to somebody that's constantly complaining about an illness. Yeah. I just shut down. I, I mean, yeah. it's it's my fault for, 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 for being that way, but I think it's just a trauma from having grown with my mother who was yeah. a hypochondriac. Right. Anyway, she never smoked. And yeah. she got, she overcame that. She got radiation. I wish she hadn't got radiation because her body declined tremendously in her eighties. Mm -hmm. She then got a prognosis of having lung cancer and the mm -hmm. doctor, the pulmonologist sat in front of her and my sister, I wasn't there and said, you have three months to live. Right. He just gave her her expiration date. Yeah. Yeah. And she died almost to the day of finding out. Right. Three months later that she had cancer. There was no coming back from that. She no. was not going, she knew she was dying. She, she, right. she owned she, it. She received it and accepted she it. Received and it and accepted it. And here's the contract. Yeah. Here's your expiration date. You're gone. And that is the majority of what happens with a lot of people that yes. are given a certain amount of time. They own it. They live towards that goal, even though they don't want to, Right. They've already owned it in their soul and in their spirit and their emotional in their emotional body. The mind is so powerful. Oh, you know, and I think about agency in this. I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of times, and I know in my own experience, I was, you know, they were trying to get me to go on a ventilator and I was dying. And um, but at some point, but I got better when I took agency, meaning like, look you may or may not be right, but I'm taking control here and I'm seeking, I'm going to seek what's correct for me, regardless of what you say to me, I'm going to do what's correct for me and taking ownership of the issue instead of just like agreeing with being a victim, other, being a victim. And that, that's what kind of flipped it that and getting angry because I needed that. Mm -hmm. I needed to advocate for myself. And I think if you, if you, I, like you said, if you identify with it, uh, you, you, it becomes part of your identity. Mm -hmm. You do not take agency or responsibility for what's happening to you. And you stay, um, uh, what's the word? What's the opposite of agreeable with, you mm -hmm. know, you, you, you own it. it, you yeah. own it. And that, yeah. that, the choice is yours. And I'm not saying that you're going to, there are things that happen in this world. And I'm saying this as a clause sure. that I have no idea why it happens. I no. don't know why things happen. No. Sometimes it's just life. We don't, I mean, we don't know. Lessons, and I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was a contract that you needed to accomplish right. before you came here. Maybe, I don't know why things happen to young children. Young children don't yeah. have a reason to come no. in and be sick. I, I don't have the answers. No. As no. a grown person, I have the choice. I yes. have choices to make as yes. a child, even though I was sick and I was in and out of doctors and hospitals, I also made the decision as a young child, but guess what? This is not my reality. I don't care what you people are telling me. Right. I mean, I did not own it. And maybe it is my stubborn Aries quality. Maybe it's just that I just came in knowing I'm going to be here for a while. Right. I remember I was six years old and I was in Puerto Rico and um, this could have affected my brain and maybe you did maybe this is why I'm the way I am but working was, for you though <laughs> I, was, I was six years old I was in recess and they had these these little um you know those cement um benches the ones yeah. that have the, the there was a bar in it well it had broken and the bar was way out and I slipped Ugh. and it actually Ooh. went from here all the way out oh my goodness and I pulled myself as six years old off that crowbar and with a massive hole it took a hole chunk of my to do a skin graft from the back of my leg and one of the things they told my mother was this may have affected her brain they did I mean we're talking about night night in the beginning of they don't know yeah they don't know and you know my mother my poor mother she went through a lot with me trying to check out <laughs> yeah. trying to check out big time yeah I mean, you know yeah I mean, 
it, there was this massive hole that a plastic surgeon had to grab from the back of my leg. But that was just an episode. And I went on to the next thing. And I grew up, and I think it was finally in my mid-30s that I finally said, after really getting into Louise Hayes, that I'm like, no, I'm not owning the breast issues. Yeah. I'm not owning yeah. my female issues. I am not owning anything, especially my mother had a big thing about my heart mm-hmm. and, you know, very few people. I mean, it was just the other day that my sons, because I've always said I have a big heart, <laughs> but they meant, I think they thought that I meant like, I have a big heart to hold up. And when <laughs> I said it one day, I'm like, no, no, literally like I have it in large heart. Like it's, it's they're like, mom, why'd you never tell us? And I go, because I don't, I don't, you don't live that way as a problem. I need yeah. that big heart for all that love I got to give. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you yeah. know, I don't, the mind I don't and the, this is what the placebo and the nocebo effect are yes. all about. Yes. If the mind grasps onto a concept, it works in concert with co- causing that to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in his books and Dr. Joe's, when we're throwing a lot of authors out here, I but know, you, all can, I know. you need to write them down. Yeah. <laughs> write them down. Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Gabor Mate and Louise Hay. Tina Siegel and Louise yes, Hay. Write these yes. things down there. No. They're very interesting. But I remember, and I'm not sure which book, because I have all of his, and I'm not sure which one it was, but he talked about um, how people, they would do autopsies on people that had terminal cancer, and they wouldn't find it. And they had been treated, they'd been misdiagnosed. Now, I'm not slamming anybody, Mm-mm. stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. But look what the mind did. It owned it. It owned it. And so here's here's my point in all that. You, you you may or may not, it may or may not be your time. I don't know about right. that, but at least right. be empowered, at least live life to the fullest, at least realize that you might be ill, but you're not your illness. You're so much more than separated. That. And this yeah. is the problem that I think most people that have gone through a traumatic experience with cancer, mm-hmm. um, the fear of dying is so huge that then yes. they constantly focusing on that. Yes. And yes. I mean, I get it. We are not immortal. Sure. I mean, our souls are immortal, but our, this body is definitely not immortal. Yes. And I know that, you know, you have to trust that you can heal yourself. I mean, there's, there's Absolutely. now, I mean, it's, it's become a an incredible social thing that you know you you can go anywhere and get the right foods or get on a diet get on a health kick go see somebody i mean there's acupuncture there's ac you know there's a million different modalities to right. help you those are tools if you believe in Wonderful. them yeah they'll heal you if you yes. don't it's like the placebo effect i mean everything yes. has if you put your mind to it if you you can heal yourself and i am yes. a true believer you can heal yourself Yes. Um, now, how does that come to play when you have a child who, like I said, in that case, there's a child that's born with a genetic deformity or it has, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers, yeah. but I do know that there are children that actually overcome all that and become incredible teachers later on in life. That's right. That there was something that it wasn't for not that, you know, it's not like, so illness is a communicator and a messenger to us. And it's, Absolutely. there's so much we learn through it. And I think having, adopting that mindset, if that's what you're going through is a very powerful um, possibility of growth and expansion. And I know for me, it's definitely been that. Mm-hmm. Why, how did I end up here? How did my immune system get to where it was that this happened? Uh, why am I, what did you learn from it is the most important. Yeah. What did I learn from it? And, and how can I make different choices in the future or how can I help humanity? Um, These are all questions that you, that are good to ask when you're going through these things, because I don't think it's just something that, you know, we're a victim of, it falls on us and there's a lot to be gained. And speaking of death, that's another issue too. It's like, I think if you're, if you're, mind is solely focused on that whatever life you're going to have you're missing in the process and um, I know this I know this because Mm -hmm. I think when I was a little girl um 
I was, you know, I went to nursing school and I always mm-hmm. had an interest in medicine. I ended up being a neuromuscular therapist and doing a lot of different things in alternative healthcare because I wanted to help people to heal. But the deeper thing was, is that I want, I wanted to have power because I think I, I remember my mom telling me when I was little, when my grandmother died, whom I didn't really know very well, but it was the first time that I had ever heard anything about death and it mm-hmm. really traumatized me. And I thought, well, I just don't want that to happen to anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would sit as a little girl and my parents had these medical books, medical encyclopedias, and I would read them cover to cover because wow. I was going to know all this stuff so that I could go out there and make sure this didn't happen to any of us. But the reality is it is going to happen to all of us one day. One day, our bodies will no longer be of use to us. I don't know when that is. But if we solely focus on that and that alone, we miss life. And I can, and I spent a lot of my life being very afraid of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I I really regret that now because there, I, I missed a lot of- No, don't regret. No, don't, I mean- Don't regret. You know, I learned you a know, lot through it. <laughs> you know, um, I was already living up here. And I remember it was early one morning and it was cold. That I do remember. And I had the motel retreat, the retreat center up here in the mountains. And I had tr- I was waiting for my daughter to get in the car to take her to school because it had snowed and all that. And I was listening to, I don't know if it was NPR or something. They had done this research and they followed like a hundred, a thousand people um, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They were studying dementia and Alzheimer's. And what they correlated, what they found out from this Ivy League school that had been following these 20 people, I mean, these, these uh, thousand people, was that the majority of the people that got dementia and Alzheimer's had massive regrets in their lives, in their past that they could not let go. Something in their brain switched off and they detached from this reality. Mm. And I remember at that very moment, well, hell, I am not regretting a single thing that <laughs> no I've more that. And yeah. I worked with dementia clients when I, when I was doing guardianship and the majority of those older people, when you would sit and speak with them, had so many regrets about their lives, a little bit that they could remember. Mm. And so, and I looked in my own family, I didn't go that far in my own family tree. Those who had Alzheimer's and dementia were people that did not live the life to the fullest. That's why I, I try to live my life to the complete fullest. Even if yeah. I make a fool of myself along the way, <laughs> I know because I can't imagine not having my faculties. I mean, I, I can't, and I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I really don't. Right. But it's one of those things where when you start seeing diseases and illnesses as a conversation, as a communicator to your soul and to mm-hmm. your emotional body, you start realizing there's a pattern here. Right. Right. And I find it fascinating because my, when I, when I graduated high school, I went, um, I took pre-med. I wanted to be yes. a pediatric cardiologist mm-hmm. because I wanted to fix children's hearts. Right. Until right. I got to dissect a human body and I was, I'm out on this business. <laughs> I'm just like, Yuck. I'm out. I will do whatever it takes. I'll fix her hearts another way. I'm out. I am not. Yeah. I have to go through a very heavy duty man who was obese. I had to cut through. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm going to change my major. I major. I can't, I can't do this. This is not for it's me. Always that first. Uh, yeah. That first. No, nope, I was out. I don't know what I thought I would be going to. First cadaver will do babies, it for you. <laughs> yeah. The first cadaver, that was it. I was out yeah. on that one. I was like, yeah, you know what? Not, this is not for me. So right. I'll choose to take care of children's hearts another way yes but um it, it was that that was my incentive because I know how I was stigmatized in my family as well she has that and you know she's got to be very careful I'm like what's wrong with you people just because I have that doesn't impede me from doing Living. the things that I crave and want to do yeah I mean it's will over power I really do believe that we have the capacity to shift the narrative of our yes. story at any given time. Mm, I love that. And talk to yourselves. Cause I talk to myself every night before I go to bed. I have mm-hmm. a, a little ritual and I actually close my eyes and I've been doing this for years. I close my eyes as I'm drifting away and I see my cells, like these little cells all expanding and all happy cells. And I go through my body very quickly. And this is what I do every single night. Right. I mean, I, 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 and it, it works for me. I'm not saying that it's yeah. going to work for everybody else, but you talk to 
to your innate. You talk to your body. You talk to your bones and your organs and your cells because that is the way you're not detached from this vessel, from this right. You are it and you picked it for a reason. So it's very important that you don't separate the body, the physical Mm -hmm. body from the spiritual body and from the emotional body because all three are connected. Yes, agreed. And illness is, is, is an imbalance somewhere. Sure. But we want to make clear, and I think this is a really important point. This isn't about shame that Ooh. I've done something wrong. And now I have to, my penance is that I get this thing. Oh, it's no. not that at all. Mm-hmm. It's just a community, your body through this illness, through whatever it is, is communicating. Mm-hmm. It's trying to get love and attention. And so, you know, healing, and I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, because I felt like this was so important. Healing never comes through behavior modification using shame-based techniques. This doesn't happen. But unfortunately, all of our our society is just a shame-based society. Mm -hmm. So people's minds immediately go there. Oh, I must have done something wrong and now I'm being punished. No, you know, illness and suffering is something that's common to all people. But what is it really? Mm -hmm. I guess that's the question. Is it, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the body speaking to us and wanting our love and attention it's wanting to be validated it's wanting wanting to be taken seriously you know so so rather than skip over the why you know the questioning and the explore exploration of this Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. to really dive in and, and start to ask yourself questions and what is and when you do have it and you you're healed yeah you're in remission ask yourself what it taught you Right, Because that relationship is no different than the relationship of an ex that you left or a friend that's no longer your friend or a job that you no longer yes. needed. That, that is teaching you a very powerful lesson. And if you don't grasp it this first time, guess what? Yeah, It's going to come back again Yeah, in another section of your body. It's going yeah. to come back again. And like I said, there are things that we come, I am a true believer, and this is just my belief, that when we pick our incarnations, there are some powerful lessons that you need to learn. Mm -hmm. I remember that I had a regression many years ago with this incredible man who, who died a few years back. And I said to him, the only thing I want to know is in the in-between space, when you're in the Akashic records, I want to know exactly why I picked this. What, what is the lesson that I need to learn? Right. Right. And and I, my, my lesson was to love unconditional. Mm. Well, you know, Loving unconditional, it doesn't mean that you're an idiot and you let everybody stump all over you. Right. Loving unconditionally is allowing, even when you don't agree with somebody, even when you don't like the person, yes. that they're standing in their truth. Yes. And so if a person comes to me and we start to talk, to talk about an illness and I see that the trauma is a lot deeper than just this cancer, it's something way back here when you were right. three or four years old that you have covered up. And it, sometimes you have to be very, very careful because a lot of times you're not even aware yes. of that trauma, of that, yes. of what happened. And when you start seeing the correlation between the now and the past here, you mm-hmm. start to heal. You're also starting to let go of all those lessons that were meant in a very powerful manner. Your yes. body is your best teacher. Yes, it is. You know, and trauma is interesting because people often, when they think of trauma, they think of a soldier that went to war and got, you know, came back with PTSD. But mm-hmm. I think we're all, life is traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, from the moment that you're, you come out into this cold room and you're maybe hung upside down and perhaps you got a slap on the butt and mm-hmm. all those things, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, the first time you have to cry because you're hungry and maybe someone doesn't hear you. Mm-hmm. A life is just full of traumas and how, how the mind uh, interprets that and how the emotions correspond to that is extremely complex and unique. So it's not like a comparison, like I could be just as traumatized by a dog barking at me as, you know, tripping and falling and breaking my mm-hmm. arm. I mean, you know, there's not, you can't really measure these things, but to learn to really tap into your emotions and really welcome them and feel them and then ask your body questions like why, you know, what is, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that 
I bump my toe or I fall and I twist my ankle, I immediately either Google it. What is, what is the spiritual meaning of an ankle? Right. Or, I mean, a lot of the stuff I know by heart because I've been at this for, you know, yeah. I mean, I immediately know if I'm have a cold, why did I get this cold? What is this grief? What am I trying to release? I mean, it works for me. I mean, April, this is all, you know, I, what I, I'm just saying how I've healed right. all those little challenges and episodes in my life yeah. have been correlated to some emotional distress. Yes. That's okay. been your reality. That's what you that has say. been. My reality is right. do all the stuff, you know, dying in the hospital a few years yeah. ago, almost nine years ago, all that stuff was the stress that was killing me. I, I was under a severe amount of stress. And mm-hmm. I remember that the neurologist had worked with um, VA uh, patients. And she said to me, I'll never forget. She was this beautiful doctor. She said, you don't know what you don't know until you do. That's right. And she said, I have seen people coming back from war and become comatose, just shut down completely. I've had others die of a broken heart because they are never going to be able to fit back in society. Yes. If they knew what they needed to know, they can shift it. Your awareness is what heals just what she said to me. Yes. Your understanding that you get to decide how this story is going to end. And this is for a medical doctor. I just sat there and went. That's beautiful. Thank you. Because that's an example of, of, of a physician really thinking outside the box, thinking absolutely. about the whole person and not just the mechanic pieces in front of you, not the machine. Uh, because I think that's the, the big problem with our medical system is people, you're not looking at a whole person, you're looking at a machine. And that's it was like a car. Going. You start yeah. diagnosing, you know, the never that plugs and the electrical. It's never that simple. Yeah, we're absolutely. very complex creatures. My grandfather fought in World War II, and he stormed the beaches of Normandy, and he saw horrible things. And he came back, and he was never the same. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a career military man. They used to call it shell shock. Mm-hmm. And if you copped to having shell shock, you'd be discharged. Military is all he ever knew. Wow. So what he did was drink a lot mm-hmm. in order to deal, to self-medicate, to escape, to escape. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tragic to me that there's so much of a stigma around welcoming our emotions that it leads us to do things, to try to self-medicate. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's you sad. know, I'm not promoting but I mean, I'm, I'm telling you how it has worked for me. Plant medicine has been a savior for me, yes. not just uh, to get rid of like ayahuasca, to get rid of um, any old traumas. I had, mm-hmm. I had one of the things in my last marriage was I was traumatized over something really bad. Mm-hmm. And when I finally did ayahuasca, the only thing my intention was in that first sitting was I want to heal this. I want to overcome this horrific incident Mm -hmm. in my life right now yes and I went down and I met with the mother the grandmother plant and I have to say that it released it in a way that I no longer feel that right that that happens with you know with mushrooms or it happens with other I mean plant medicine is from the earth I'm not saying take something synthetic or anything we're talking about real healing you know you go to peru and you see a curandero you see you know a shaman and what is the shaman doing he is actually helping you heal your spiritual body and your emotional body right that is his job is to help you with your emotional and spiritual body which then translates your translates into your physical Physical. it's so interesting and i think those plant medicines um my experience has been with them is that the the repression goes away long enough for you to gain some understanding about it mm-hmm. and it in a, it's not a cure-all there are other ways mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to have the same experience without the use of uh entheogens or plant medicine but I, I it's been my experience that it just takes the ego offline long enough for you to experience i guess it to bring up all of that so that it can transmute 
and the power of your intention, because I am yes. one that if I'm going to try anything and I'm up for trying just about anything, yes. that is not going to hurt me in any way, shape or form. I will not use anything that's, you know, illegal in, in, in that kind of sense, right. you know, like Coke or any of that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is when you have an intention of why you're taking this plant medicine, yes. what are you supposed to see? What are you supposed to know? Right. That is my intention. I always go in there with the highest intention if I am taking a trip. And I have to say that I've never had a bad trip right? because I have been able to go whether it's, I want to see unicorns and rainbows. And when I say that, it's not that I literally want to see unicorns <laughs> and rainbows, it's that I want the, my higher self of God, of Jesus, of right. any, any of the great masters to come in in a loving manner. I don't want to get bombarded by anything that's of low frequency. Exactly. So I don't live in that reality. My reality is always at a higher frequency. So it, it helped that certain plant medicines help with major traumas that I had yes. from being raped at 18, from yes. having horrible things happen right. and that I put myself in those lessons and then to sit with the plant medicine and allow it to help heal yes. those parts of myself that therapy was just not reaching. Right, right. Therapy is wonderful, but it doesn't always absolutely. do the trick. But it's stored know? in the spaces that you've yeah. stored it. And a lot of times what these diseases and illnesses are doing is their trauma stored in the tissues. Yes. Yes. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's not, your mind will oftentimes repress things for your own protection, but um, it just doesn't necessarily know when to open the door back up and opening the door back up is really necessary for healing. As you know, I do a uh, kind of shadow integration work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um it's really important to welcome uncomfortable emotions when you're ready for it. Um, and so it can be done through things like shadow integration work. It can mm -hmm. be done through uh, deep meditations. It can be done through breath work. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different modalities that you can use to, uh, to transmute painful emotions through, well, you welcome them. And I, and again, mm -hmm. I think that's, it's the repression. The repression is, is, I believe what it's my belief is what causes it to manifest into physical illness. Um, and I would say that there are a lot of studies to support that and Absolutely. not everybody's on board about that and that's no. okay. And, um, but what I guess our goal here today is to really empower you to start asking the questions because it's the questions, um, that you only have the answers to, right? Your higher self, as you said, uh, will show you what's correct for you, whatever mm -hmm. modality that might be to find your healing. But no one heals when things are repressed. No one heals through shame. No one heals through behavior modification. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. We heal when we welcome and embrace those difficult parts of ourselves the, and the emotions that accompany them, those wounded places, those hurt places. That's where healing really happens. And um, yeah, I and just- we, And sometimes we can't do it alone. We're no. so close to the situation or the, or what's happening that we are, that's why we go to others. I mean, that's why we go yes. to you. I would go yes. to anybody that can actually help me see yes. clearly what is my body trying to tell me? Exactly. You know? um, yes. And I feel that the moment that I'm going to give you an example, I had severe breast issues most of my life. They've been cut up. They've been, they, mm. they, they've been a little disappointing <laughs> to yeah. me. These girls have been super disappointing throughout the years. They're just trying to talk to you, Millie. <laughs> oh, I know. And they did. And they did. They really wanted to talk to me and they wanted my attention. I used to have to sure. go to get uh, a mammogram twice a year and get uh, sonograms every few months because right. that you know they want they wanted them off and i'm like you yeah. know what no you can take chunks out but you're not taking them yeah. <laughs> and, um, you can take little pieces but you're not going to take them all right i'm not when gonna I left that much. my <laughs> second husband and my mother died they were both very narcissistic when my mother died and i left my second husband this was 14 years ago i have never had any more breast issues mm. My breast issues were tied to Hide. my worth. Yeah. To these two souls that were wonderful. And, and, and I mean, they were not bad people. They were amazing people. It's just right. that they were very narcissistic. Once I was out of that control, 
April, I'm there. I have never had another breast issue. I've wow. never had a faulty mammogram. I haven't had to go back and get a biopsy. Right. Nothing. These right. girls are happy. They're, they're, they're mothering me. They're nurturing me. They are there. I mean, cause I, I would really hate my breasts. I hated them yeah. for so long because they were they constantly reminding me of some kind of bad part of my life. Yes. Once I made peace with that. Yes. Never, ever, ever again. It's, I healed those so parts of myself. Yeah. Yes. Cause they represent nurturing and you weren't exactly. feeling nurtured in those relationships. Mm, no. And so they were telling you, Hey, we're not feeling very nurtured here. Yes. Here, take my attention here, here, here. And because I had sisters that had died of breast cancer, they wanted to do exam. I'm like, I am not chopping my boobs off as bad as they can be. I'm keeping these girls you know, gonna hang on here. Them. I'm going to hang yeah. on to them. So you figure yeah. out what you need to do. Yeah. And I, they wanted to put me on special medication. They wanted to, you know, I'm like, nope, not taking anything. That's another thing. I am as stubborn as they can, maybe to a fault, because I mean, I just don't believe in just popping a pill right? without really getting to the root. But why am I popping this? Why am I needing to do this when I can heal myself? I know what I need to do. Right. And if I don't, I will go to people that I know will possibly have an idea of what I need to do spiritually and emotionally before I even attack that part of my body that might have, might have had an issue. In other words, yeah. I'm not saying you go to the doctor and you, you got a prognosis. You get to decide how and what you're going to use, whether it's chemo, whether it's chemo with, you know, other medicine and or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, other modalities, you have to, you have to do what's right for you. Take agency. And, Absolutely. And, and don't be ashamed of the decisions that you make about no. your body. No, I you have to choose what you do with your body or don't do with your body. Absolutely. Period. And, and I think we need to honor that and respect that. We need to respect other people's choices. What might be effective for you or the way that you think you might go in a situation like that might not really uh, be okay with me. And we need to be, we need to honor one another's choices in terms of how they choose to, to take care of themselves. But I do say that one thing that has worked for me is that I have removed fear out of any issues with my body. Yes. Fear will kill you. Yes. If you summon to the fear of the unknown yes. of not of, of your life, of yes. your mortality, you, you will get just that. Well, what we say in gene keys is that fear is kind of the root of every shadow frequency in the world. Wow. It really, every shadow that we have all goes back to that one thing, fear. So, you know, when I wrote my book, that was the title of my book, uh, Love is Fear is Not, mm -hmm. because fear is something that we kind of create in our minds, um, but it's not real. What The only thing that's real is love mm -hmm. and love heals, love absolutely yes. heals. And it starts with self-love. You know, I'm going to love myself in this condition. So my mm -hmm. boobs are acting weird. I'm going to love, I'm going to love. I'm going to love on them. I don't care I'm what they love you. Like. <laughs> I'm going to love you. you know? I'll, I'll never forget when you talked about in another podcast, you talked about your C-section scar, that yes. it's like a smiley face. Yes. I look at my body now and I'm like, well, they're smiling. Look at them all so they're happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can love our scars because when I look at that, at that scar, I think that that brought a human into the world. Absolutely. And, and I'm willing to have made that sacrifice for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And it, that smile that it gives me every morning, is a <laughs> reminder, <laughs> is a reminder of, of that beautiful human that's walking Absolutely. around. So Absolutely. We're, we, we, we live in a society that just punishes us for every decision that we make. If yeah. it's not with the with the masses, you yeah. know, your, your choices for taking care of how you heal your body is your choice. That's if right. No one, no one has the right to tell you no. what you shouldn't do. And no. if that doesn't work, just keep searching. Yes. What I do want, if anybody takes anything out of this podcast, out of this talk, is that you get to decide how you navigate That's your right. diseases, your illnesses, your little episodes. You get to choose your mindset of how you attack it, how you heal, how you do what you do. It's no one else. That's no right. one can do that for you. Yes. Yeah. Be empowered to um, 
to take control, take that power, take the power, take agency over your health, over your choices regarding your health mm-hmm. and ask questions. It's okay to ask questions, ask yourself. The most important person that you need to ask questions to, you need to inquire of is yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, what How does is that going feel on in your body? How does yeah. that feel in your body? Because if I was to go by every time a doctor tells me you have this, you have that, I'm like, oh, no, I do not. I mean, they're like showing me all these graphs and all this stuff. Yeah, I don't think so. No, (laughs) I'm not a good patient. I'm not either. I'm 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 a horrible patient because I will argue, I will sit there and look at you like you have two heads. I'm like, you're crazy. No, that is not me. I know that you're saying that, but uh uh-uh. Give me some time. I'm going to fix this. And I do. I had a partial <laughs> amputation of my finger years ago and I'm a massage therapist. I worked with my hands and uh, they had to do surgery to reattach everything. And um, I had a grumpy doctor and I said to him, I said, all right, I can work one handed. He said, I don't recommend it. I said, all right, when can I work? He goes, I don't think you'll work again. He goes, but if you do, it'll be at least eight weeks. And I said, well, then I'll be working in eight weeks. And I and did. did. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, I had to learn to do things a little bit differently, but I'll be darned if I use, I use that hand every day. And it's like, you know, you, there has to be some sort of, you have to fight for yourself. You have to, you have to advocate for yourself. You have agency. It may not, may or may not turn out how you want it to turn out, but when you, you become strong, when you advocate for yourself you become strong when you take your power back. You do. I, I watched this movie last night called Father Stew. It's out. Oh, yes. It's not one of the top 10 Netflix, movies. It's right? with Mark Wahlberg. Right. And it's a true story about this priest who, uh, he overcame so much with the power of his belief and he was definitely not one that you would have thought could become a priest. I mean, the guy was definitely not priest material at the beginning. And he did die of like something very similar to ALS where his body just deteriorated. Yeah. But as until he was 50 that he dies, he, he went around and he was actually a very well-known priest. Mm. And what saved him all that time that he lasted that long was his faith and his belief that he can overcome this yeah. he had lessons he needed to learn we i mean people die of things every day sure the lessons are there we are human beings having we're spiritual beings having a very human um experience right. you can't deny the things that might come in your i mean this is not you know everybody everybody's life journey is is their sure. own individual but yeah. what i do know is that don't just take what's told to you mm-hmm. as a sentence Right. Fight for your life. Ask questions. Like you said, if you have that choice. Yes. Thank you so much for always opening up the channel of communication. Every time that I sit with you and we have these conversations or so, even if nobody else gets anything out of it, I get to walk <laughs> We're having a good love. time. Look, I love it's, having conversations. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you're wonderful. So thank you. Oh, my Once pleasure. I, I look forward to the next time you come on. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for your great, great love. Thank you, mama. I love you. Love you. Blessings. Too.